Jones retired from the company in which we have seen him engaged into the fields, where he intended to cool himself by a walk in the open air before he attended Mr. Orworthy. There, whilst he renewed those meditations on his dear Sophia, which the dangerous illness of his friend and benefactor had for some time interrupted, an accident happened which, with sorrow, we relate, and with sorrow, doubtless, will it be read. However, that historic truth to which we profess so inviolable an attachment obliges us to communicate it to posterity. It was now a pleasant evening in the latter end of June, when our hero was walking in a most delicious grove, where the gentle breezes fanning the leaves, together with the sweet trilling of a murmuring stream and the melodious notes of nightingales formed altogether the most enchanting harmony. In this scene, so sweetly accommodated to love, he meditated on his dear Sophia. While his wanton fancy roved unbounded over all her beauties, and his lively imagination painted the charming maid in various ravishing forms, his warm heart melted with tenderness, and at length, throwing himself on the ground by the side of a gently murmuring brook, he broke forth into the following ejaculation. Sophia, Sophia alone shall be mine. What raptures are in that name! I will engrave it on every tree. At these words he started up, and beheld not his Sophia, no, nor a circassian maid richly and elegantly attired for the Grand Signor Seraglio. No, without a gown, in a shift that was somewhat of the coarsest, and none of the cleanest, bedewed likewise with some odoriferous effluvia, the produce of the day's labour, with a pitchfork in her hand, Molly Seagram approached. Our hero had his penknife in his hand, which he had drawn for the before-mentioned purpose of carving on the bark, when the girl, coming near him, cried out with a smile, "'You don't intend to kill me, squire, I hope?' "'Why should you think I would kill you?' answered Jones. "'Nay,' replied she, "'after your cruel usage of me when I saw you last, "'killing me would perhaps be too great kindness for me to expect.' Here ensued a parley, which as I do not think myself obliged to relate, I shall omit it. It is sufficient that it lasted a full quarter of an hour, at the conclusion of which they retired into the thickest part of the grove. Some of my readers may be inclined to think this event unnatural. However, the fact is true, and perhaps may be sufficiently accounted for by suggesting that Jones probably thought one woman better than none, and Molly has probably imagined two men to be better than one. Besides the before-mentioned motive assigned to the present behaviour of Jones, the reader will be likewise pleased to recollect in his favour that he was not at this time perfect master of that wonderful power of reason which so well enables grave and wise men to subdue their unruly passions and to decline any of these prohibited amusements.' 
Wine now had totally subdued this power in Jones. He was, indeed, in a condition in which, if reason had interposed, though only to advise, she might have received the answer which one Cleostratus gave many years ago to a silly fellow who asked him if he was not ashamed to be drunk. "'Are not you,' said Cleostratus, "'ashamed to admonish a drunken man?' To say the truth, in a court of justice, a drunkenness must not be an excuse, yet in a court of conscience it is greatly so.'